Today here in 1 Samuel, we obviously look at a young man uh, in Samuel uh, that God was going to use mightily. And Samuel didn't know it at that point, but God was going to use him. And what I'm going to talk about today is actually coming from what I spoke to the young men that were, were on our Truth Be Told Bible Club in the last few weeks. And we're talking about this topic of learning to listen to the Spirit of God. Learning to listen to the Spirit of of God. I'm so thankful that when God places a message within our hearts to preach and to um, bring before our church, um, that at times God brings confirmation. And this morning, as I read one of my devotionals, um, the title of the devotional was Listen to God. And I'm so thankful just how, as the Lord had laid this message on my heart today, and then I read that devotional that was scheduled for today. Obviously, you know, the Lord brought it together, but it's one of those confirming points that God brings just to say, head this direction. And it's really what I'm going to talk about today is learning to listen as God directs us uh, within our life. You know, it's been said that life is a journey, and that's very true. It is a journey that really does not end until we get to heaven. May I say it is really a constant pursuit. Uh, For me as a young man, I was often challenged to Find the will of God and do it. And I, it became very easy for me to think that, uh, that eventually once I knew what God wanted for my life, if I pursued that, if I trained for it, I went to, the, to school for it, once I was well equipped for it, I was set for life in the sense of I found my position and here we go, uh, I'm satisfied. But the reality is, uh, as I continued to grow and develop in my understanding of the Lord, I would learn that God continues working on us, in us and through us, as we continue to, per, to pursue Him. And we never really get to the point where we have arrived in the sense of, I'm hearing God's will, and that's it. God's will is constantly leading us. We wonder why, at times, some preachers leave different ministries and go and, and involve, get involved in other ministries. I think of uh, Brother Price, who we've had here recently. Uh, was pastoring a church in Leduc, Alberta, and is now working specifically with the Bible Translation Ministry of First Bible. And how God moves in that sense, how God will take a, a man, take a, a lady that is, is walking with him and, and tenderly listening to him and following him, and will possibly move us to different places uh, or possibly keep us in one place, but always pushing us to do more and to, to listen to him more. David said this in Psalm 63 and verse number 8, My soul followeth hard after thee, in the sense of a constant pursuit of the Lord. And our life is a constant pursuing uh, the Lord. In Psalm 105 and verse 4, a psalm that was quoted by King David in 1 Chronicles 16, in it he says, Seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face evermore. It's a continual seeking. It's not once you arrive, then, then you've completed it. This is a lifelong journey that we are on, a lifelong pursuit of seeking God and listening to Him. Before we can ever know what God's will and purpose is for our lives, we must learn to listen to His voice. Learn to listen to His voice. You, you might think when we hear that at times, I, I never hear a voice coming from God. How am I supposed to hear His voice? 
And I remind you this morning that God speaks to us in our spirit by, our, by His Spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, you must be born again. Why? Because Nicodemus had been born, yes, in the physical way, but he had not been born of the Spirit. He said, you must be born of the water and you must be born of the Spirit. To be born again is to allow that Spirit within us that it was dead because of the sin nature but to be made alive once again so we could hear the voice of God speaking to us. The Spirit within us is the most inward part of our being. It goes deeper than our hearts. For our hearts, which would be within our soul, can be affected by our bodies or our flesh. My emotions can be led by my flesh. They may be what we would say are carnal. Carnal is simply fleshly. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Our body is not necessarily a a, a bad thing in the sense of God created it with desires. The problem is temptations uh, get us to believe that we can have uh, what God has created for us outside of God's boundaries, outside of God's timing, and that's when it becomes sin. And so the body, though, can lead us contrary to the spirit. Galatians 5 tells us, that the flesh and the spirit oftentimes are going to be contrary, the one against the other. And so our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions must be led by the Spirit of God. Now, usually the Spirit's voice is still and small. It is difficult to hear His voice in the fast-paced world in which we live, this loud world in which we live. Elijah learned that it wasn't in the big and obvious ways, of course. It wasn't in the earthquake wasn't in the fire. What was it? It was in that still, small voice that God began to speak. And far too often, we are anxious as to how uh, how God will speak and to know God's answer that we fail to take time to simply listen to Him and let Him speak to us. As we look at Samuel this morning, this young prophet, think about the fact that at this time in the reading, Samuel did not know that he was going to be a prophet. And honestly, Samuel didn't even know the Lord, as the Bible says. But you know, God knew he was going to be a prophet. God knew the exact plan that he had for Samuel. And may I remind you, adults today and children alike, teenagers, that God knows exactly the plan that he has for your future. It's not about us fretting and worrying about what it's going to be. It's about us every day walking with the Lord and listening to his Spirit's voice because day after day, God will lead us along. And as a young man, as I, as I mentioned, I remember looking off in the distance and wondering, what does God want for my life? You know, you may ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? You may ask an adult, what do you want to be when you grow up? No, I'm just kidding. You ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, you know, I want to be one of the top ones might be a fireman, a police officer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. And, you know, these things, for some reason, they have interest. And, and you know, it's great to, to, to pick a direction, but oftentimes... You know, we may, as parents, push our children to follow those plans and not even consider the plan that God might have for our children, that God may have for our own lives as adults as well. And so we ought to teach our our young people to walk with the Lord, to listen to hear Spirit's voice, that they would know exactly what it is that God has. You know, oftentimes we use the phrase, don't get ahead of God. Now, may I remind you that we cannot actually get ahead of God. For God is already in tomorrow, and we are not there yet. 
The problem is we try to get ahead of God. We try to make things work out. We try to figure out how it's all going to go and to make the plans and to, to bring it all together. Uh, but may I remind you that this way, this course, usually brings a lot of headaches and a lot of heartaches. And so let's today look at this thought of learning to listen to the Spirit of God. We find in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1 that there really was a famine going on in the land. See, I don't see that there. It doesn't say anything about that. There was a famine in the land, but it wasn't necessarily for food. It wasn't, but what it was for was for the hearing of the Word of God. The Bible says this, that in those days the Word of the Lord was precious. There was no open vision. That doesn't mean everybody was blind in the physical sense. But God was not speaking. There was no revelation being given to mankind in these days. Of course, this is the, at the ending period of what we know as the Judges. And when you read the book of Judges, I mean, it's a sad time in the nation of Israel, a time where they lived in great wickedness. They had forgotten the Lord over and over again. And we know the cycle. If you've read the book of Judges, and obviously in, at the beginning of the book, at the end of the book, it says there was no king, and everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And so that was the guiding light that people had. And may I remind you that without the word of God, we have no guidance in this world. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We talk about it, but how much do we actually use it? Our family likes to go camping. You may think that's strange. Now, we don't do the, uh, the high sophisticated type camping where you pull a 50-foot trailer along and everything that you own within it and say, we're going camping. Uh, that's just moving, temporary moving, right? You're just moving along. And uh, our camping, now as I've got a little older, it's changed a little bit. Uh, we like to go tent camping. You say, okay, so you got electricity? No, I said tent camping. There's no electricity. Now, as I said, I've got, we got a little older, and used to be when we'd go as kids, we didn't have showers. You know, so it eventually smelled a little bit. Once you smelled, you couldn't stand each other. It was time to go home. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's not how it worked. Um, but today we go to a park that at least has showers that we can use at Golden Ears. And, uh, but we like to go camping, and we like to get out into the, the place where um, you know, we can get, get, get out of the, the noise of this world and, and, and just think about uh, what, what is in, uh, uh, in the nature around us. But when we think about the, to getting out and, and um, listening to the Lord and what He wants to do within our hearts, um, think about what God uh, has in store uh, for us. But as we think about this famine that was going on, the Bible says there was no open vision, there was no revelation, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And, and here in uh, God was preparing to speak to Samuel, who was going to be a prophet. But what the Bible says is that there was no open vision, that the word of the Lord was precious. May I say to you, when we do without something, begin to gain a hunger for it. And when you do without food, the more that you do without it, you gain a hunger for it. If you've ever fasted, you know what it means to, to go without and to have a longing. And the longer that you fast, the more that you, that you, you want and you want to eat. And when things are put in front of you, you begin to think, oh man, that looks so good. You begin to crave what's in front of you as somebody else is eating a cheeseburger, you know, and the grease is just dripping out of their mouth. You think, man, that looks so good. And, 
and I want that, and I long for it. And the Bible, the Bible says, and I'm not comparing the Word of God to a cheeseburger, but I'm comparing it to when we're doing without, that we have a, a hunger for it. Um, I had an email from a ministry called The Voice of the Martyrs, and uh, this ministry was started by a man named Richard Wormbrand, uh, who was imprisoned in the country of Romania uh, under communist leadership and spent much here in a torturous type uh, prison. Uh, fourteen years, I believe, he was imprisoned. I think it was divided up a couple of times, but fourteen years. But uh, his ministry went on to continue to get the word of God into closed countries, much like what First Bible is doing. But in this email, it was called, Persecuted Christians Are Crying Out for God's Word. And it says, No road is too difficult and no risk is too great when our brothers and sisters are crying out for God's Word. Despite certain persecution, if the Bible is discovered, if these people's Bibles are discovered, Christians in hostile and restricted nations are happy to take the risk in order to read God's Word. In fact, the first request from Christians on the most dangerous mission fields is for prayer and for Bibles. A man by the name of Don Lama in Nepal, his decision to follow Christ caused deep divisions in both his Buddhist community and his family. His wife left him and took their children with her. Villagers cursed him, threw stones at him, and threatened his life. But Don Lama persisted in his faith and even led several other villagers to Christ. Enraged by Don Lama's bold witness, neighbors set his house ablaze one night when he was sleeping. After fleeing the burning house, he remembered he had left his Bible inside. He dashed back into the house to retrieve his only copy of God's Word, but he was too late. Don Lama's Bible was gone, and he suffered injuries trying to rescue it from the flames. The next morning, all that remained of Don Lama's home was a pile of stone and ash. Even his crops had been destroyed. Imagine facing persecution without the truth of God's word to give you hope and strength. This is the reality for many believers around the world who endure everything from job loss to severe beatings and imprisonment simply because they trust Christ. And many don't have their own Bible to read for encouragement and instruction or to help them grow stronger in their faith. And think about that man's desire was not to spare his home, but to get his Bible. If your house was burning down, what would you grab? Yes, first and foremost, your children. Please don't go for your pets before you go for your children. Your children are number one. What would you go for next? I'd hope that you'd think, where's my Bible? I'd hope that your Bible is that special to you. And again, we're not going to put the physical copy of God's Word ahead of our children. If we have to choose between this book and our children, our children come first, okay? You say, how can you say such a thing? Understand this is a, a printed copy, okay? We do not worship this book right here. But this book ought to be so dear to us. If we were missing our Bible, if you were missing your Bible, would you know it? Could you live without it? In the day of Samuel, the Bible says there was no open vision. The word of the Lord was precious. Samuel had to learn to listen to the voice of God, and so must we. Number one, what I want to talk about this morning is learn to maintain a sensitive heart. Maintain a sensitive heart. If you look here, uh, in Samuel's life, the Bible says that he heard his name called. It was the Lord calling him, but he didn't know that. How did Samuel respond? What did Samuel say when he heard his name called? 
to say. He said, here am I. We see within Samuel's life that young Samuel had learned to be obedient. He learned to obey. So maintain a sensitive heart underneath of this, learn to obey. Learn to obey. Number one, children, obey your parents. Adults, but remember that obedience is not just for children. Children, if you cannot learn to obey mom and dad, chances are that you will not learn to obey the Lord. Learn to obey. Children, obey our parents. And as we see in Hebrews 13 and verse number 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The Bible teaches us that obedience goes beyond the life of a child, but as an adult, we are to continue to be obedient and learn to obey. In the RU program, we talk about the umbrella of authority. And that umbrella of authority could be parents. It could be our pastor. It could be our government. It could be our employer. And God places authorities within our life for protection, to guide us, to help us. And I would encourage you and, and exhort you, as you place yourself under the pastor of this church, Pastor Turner, that you would be found in obedient submission to his guiding. It is God that works in his heart to bring to this pulpit and to challenge us, to speak to us exactly what God wants us to hear. And so as we learn to obey, God will speak. Maintain a sensitive heart. Learn to obey as well. Get to know how God speaks. Get to know how God speaks. You know, as we think about in our home, uh, kids, you hear mom or dad call, you may not respond in the same way in the sense um, if somebody came to the door and you heard a strange voice saying your name, you think, wait a second, who is that? It's not mom, it's not dad, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me. No, it's not anybody else that normally lives here, and the voice would get our attention. But how often do we get so used to the noise around us and when God speaks, we don't have an idea that it's Him speaking to us. Get to know how God speaks. Samuel did not know the Lord in verse 7. It says, He did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. You see, we can learn how God thinks. We can learn how God speaks by reading His word under the guidance of His Spirit. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. As you think about in, in this passage, the Bible tells us that only the Spirit of God knows, knows God. In the sense, as the Bible says, the deep things of God. Only the Spirit of God knows everything about God. The Bible says, no, no man knoweth man in the sense except for the 
spirit of man which is in him. But then we see what brings together. At that new birth, the spirit of God enters the spirit of man. And so we have the spirit of man working alongside of in the spirit of God, bringing us to the ability to know character, the nature of God. Look at verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. There are some things that we can know about God. Now, we'll never know everything, at least not here on earth. But we can know a lot of it. We can know some of it here on this earth through the Spirit of God. Look in verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Look at this. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Might I suggest this morning that as the Bible says we have been given the mind of Christ, we have access to the mind of God through the Spirit of God that knows the mind of God. And as we think about that letting, it's a yielding to it. Let this mind be in you. It's a matter of choosing to yield to the Spirit of God, that salvation that came into indwelling us, God's Spirit, with our spirit. Of course, in Romans, we learn that it bears witness with our spirit, that we are His. And so as we listen to the Spirit of God through our spirit, we have the opportunity to know the mind of God. Now, please understand, I am not saying today that we can be like God as the lie was found in the Garden of, of, of Eden uh, through Satan, as he said, you, you will be as gods. But understand that we have the opportunity to know the mind of God. And as we open God's Word, we begin to open the mind of God. So get to know how God thinks. You know, as a husband and wife are together for a long period of time, you, of course, can complete one another's sentences. You can almost think for the other. Why? Because you begin to learn how the other thinks. You say, yeah, we've been married for 40, 50 years, and, and you know, we find that to be the case. I find that my wife and I, often say the same things. You know, both of us at the same time, we respond the same way. And we've only been married for almost 15 years now. Uh, but you think about that. The more that you get to know the person, the more you know how they think. You say, that's dangerous. Yes, it can be. But the more that we get to know God, the more that we know how He thinks, the more we will understand, hey, this is God speaking to me. And I need to listen. So learn to obey. Get to know how God speaks. And then lastly, get Get around those that will point you to God. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, please. Get around those that will point you to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And of course, the third time that Samuel heard his voice, he had gone to Eli each time. And at that third time, the Bible says that Eli realized, perceived in verse 8, he perceived that the Lord had called the child. And so Eli took the time to teach Samuel about God. 
He said, Samuel, what I want you to do is you go back to your bed, you lie down again. He says, the next time you hear God, you hear your, your name called, he said, I want you to say this, speak, Lord, for thy servant, hear it. Samuel was being taught by a man that knew God, Eli, the, the priest, of course, and, and, and uh, he, he said, you're hearing the voice of God. He said, and you need to listen to God speak, and you need to be ready to do what God has for you to do. And Samuel didn't know the Lord, but he was being taught by somebody who did. And you parents that know the Lord, you adults in this church that know God, that I hope and pray that you walk with God, I, I, I pray that you are taking time to point the young generation, that pastor spoke about this last week, pointing them to the Lord. You know, we're concerned about our world to come, and some of you may worry and fret in the sense when you're no longer on this earth, how will Christianity continue? How will God's church continue? May I remind you that God has been the dwelling place of every generation and will continue to be the dwelling place of the generations to come. We don't have to worry about that, but what we need to to teach our young generation is know God, walk with the Lord, Get to know how his voice is, what it is that he's going to say. Direct them to the word of God. Get around those that will point you to God. I challenge you, young people, don't hang around the young people. The, uh, the, the lost of this world, in the sense, as being your best friend if they are pulling you away from God. Yes, we want to be a witness to them. and Yes, we want to see them saved, but it cannot be at the expense of your personal walk with God. That is not what the Lord wants. We can reach this world with a heart of compassion, with the love of Christ. We have to walk with the Lord in the meantime. And so let's get around those that will point us to God. Number one, maintain a sensitive heart. Number two this morning, develop a surrendered will. Develop a surrendered will. We're talking about how we can can learn to listen to the Spirit of God. Develop a surrendered will. Look with me in verse 9 once again. The response that Samuel was to give was, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. You see, a servant is one that responds in obedience, in submission to its master. And I'm so thankful that our master is not a slave driver. Our master in the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, is one that loves us as a father. And one that has the greatest plans, the greatest things in store for us, far beyond what we can comprehend. But we must first and foremost learn to submit, uh, to surrender our will. Turn with me, if you would, as we turn uh, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Again, another well-known passage within Scripture. Isaiah chapter 6. And of course, Isaiah has a vision of the Lord in these verses. He sees him high and lifted up upon his throne in verse 1. And in verse 2, we see the angels, the seraphims that surrounded him. And their cry in verse 3 was, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It wasn't Isaiah crying, holy, holy, holy. It was the angels. The angels, of course, continue to cry that day and night. And recognizing the holiness, that means that God is completely without sin. There is no sin in heaven. I'm so thankful that one day we'll be able to be there separated from the sin of this world. The sin and and death and hell will all be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And there will be no more sin in our presence. But it was the cry of the angels that 
God is holy. And as Isaiah saw the, the, the nature of God, it began to transform his life. May I say to you today that as we surrender our will to God, as we consider the prophet Isaiah, I want to say, first of all, learn about the nature of God. Learn about the nature of God. As we get to know the mind of God, as we get to know the nature of God, Again, we will know how God speaks and we will be more willing to serve the Lord. Learn about the attributes of God. Learn who He is. Today, do you know that God is eternal? Learn that God is good. Learn that God is gracious, that God is holy, that God is immutable, that He does not change. Learn that God is just, that God is merciful, that God is love, that God is omnipotent that God is omnipresent, that God is omniscient. Learn that God is righteous. Learn that God is the self-existent one. Learn that God is sovereign. Learn that God is transcendent, that He is far above this world, yet he, He wants to work in our lives personally. Learn about the nature of God. And this is exactly what Isaiah was learning as he was in the presence of God, as he saw this vision of the Lord, as he heard the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy. He began to learn more of the nature and the character of God. He began to change his life. And I say as well, learn about what God has done in the past. Learn about what God has done in the past. History of the world. See how God has worked. Look at the history within the Bible. How God worked. How about in your own life? The history of your own life. Some of you may be very young in this room this morning, but don't miss how God has worked in your life. Don't miss, church family, how God has worked for our church. Some of you have been here for many years, and you've seen the transitions that our church has gone through. You've seen people come and go, and you've seen us you know, go to one building and to another building, one building that's no, actually more than one building that we've been in that's no longer even around. That God moved us at the right time, that God has us in this facility today for His timing, for His glory. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God has done in the past, but also... Learn what God can do, meaning His potential. For God can do all things. And this goes right back to our learning of His nature. As I learn about the nature of God and I come to a trial, I look to God and say, God can do all things and therefore I don't have to fear. Paul says in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things, but it's not in my ability. It always remains within the ability of our God. And so learn about what God can do, and then learn about what God will do. The promises in Scripture, what God says, it's going to be done. Now, I know some promises, some blessings are only conditional, meaning it's if we obey, those blessings will come. But there are some things in Scripture that are going to happen regardless how the world responds. You look at the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, and you find these are things that are going to happen. The world cannot stop them. And sometimes it's amazing as Christians as we sit back and we just watch things unfold and we say, it's it's like it's just playing out exactly like the Scriptures say. And that's what happens when, when God gives His Word. We can't stop it. But think about what God will do. Know the promises of blessings. Know the promises of the judgment that's to come. Don't miss it. Know what God will do. Salvation is all about knowing God. Isaiah, as he began to learn more about God, as I said, it changed him. And actually, that we are to become broken over our sin. So as we think about this thought 
of developing a surrendered will, learn about the Lord, and then nextly, become broken over sin. Become broken over sin. If I want to know the Spirit of God and how He's speaking to me and what He has to say to me today, become broken over sin. In verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, we look around at others in our world and say, you know, there's a lot of wicked people in this world, and that's true. When was the last time you got in the presence of God and you began to realize how wicked you were? How wicked I am? See, I'm not a horrible person. Wait a second. Let's look in the light of the glory of God, in the light of the holiness of God. Isaiah was a prophet, or was going to be a prophet. Isaiah couldn't have been that bad. God was calling him to be a preacher. But Isaiah realized how filthy he was when he got in the presence of a holy God. Become broken of your sin. See what your sin did to Christ on the cross. Some references you could write down, Isaiah 53. 1 Peter 2, 21-24. See what your sins did to Christ. See what your sins did to Christ on the cross. But nextly, see what your sin does to others. See what your sin does to others. The story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. Achan made a choice for himself. He thought it would only affect himself, the choice that he made, to take of the spoils of Jericho that belonged to God. God had clearly commanded them not to take of them, and he did. And unfortunately, the nation of Israel lost the battle there in Ai because of the sin of one man. And eventually, God filtered through and, and helped Joshua uh, find that it was Achan that had sinned, that had committed the trespass. Achan was dealt with, and sadly, his entire family was stoned and burned and all of their things. Look, our sin affects others. Look at what our sin does, did to the Lord, and look at what our sin does to others, and confess that sin to the Lord and be cleansed by the blood of Christ, 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.9. Cannot continue or remain in our sin and expect that we are going to hear the Lord speak to us and speak his will. See, living in sin is living in rebellion, and God will not bless that life. We're talking about how can I hear the Spirit speak? Young person, you say, I don't hear, hear God speak. Well, let's think about it. Adults and teens and children alike, let's think about it. If I am not living the way God wants me to, I'm living in sin. I have unconfessed sin in my life. It's not been dealt with. The first thing that needs to be done is that sin needs to be confessed to the Lord. Get it under the blood of Jesus Christ before you will ever hear the voice of God speak. Deal with the sin. Become broken over sin. So we see, first of all, we see, first of all, as we started here uh, this morning, maintain a sensitive heart. Nextly, learn to surrender or develop a surrendered will. Thirdly, this morning, set aside silent moments. Set aside silent moments. Moments. You say, those are hard to find. Yes, they are, especially if you have young people in your home. At times it can be difficult. But set aside silent moments. And say under this, first of all, find a place. Find a place. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, that the Pharisees liked to be out in the public praying and making long prayers, and it was for the attention of others. And he says, they have their reward. The attention of others is their reward. But he said, you, as, as my children, he says, you go and you get in your closet. Now, if you've got a closet big enough, great. 
I don't think there's a closet in our house that we could get into and be able to use it as a place to, a place to pray. Some of you may have a walk-in closet. Ours, you open the door, and that's as far as you go. You know, there's shelves and all of that, so there's no closet. But Jesus was saying, find a private place. Find a place where you can get alone. Nextly, remove distractions. Remove distractions. Find a place. Remove distractions. See, that's really tough. It might be. But I challenge you to find a place where you can remove as many distractions as possible. Noise. Television. Don't pray with the TV on. Unless you're watching the live stream. Then you're allowed to pray with the TV on, right? Some people, maybe in your home, you may just have the constant noise of the television. It may bring comfort to you. Some people, when they leave the home, they leave the TV on for security purposes, to act as if somebody's home. May I challenge you not to be a home where the TV is just constantly on, even if you're watching it or not? You say, well, I like noise. Let me just make a suggestion. Turn the Bible on. There's a lot of audio Bible, Bibles available today, especially if you have a smartphone. Uh, lots of Bible apps that will read through the Bible. You say, I don't have a, a smartphone. You can get MP3 players. You can actually get audio Bible where they have the speaker right on it, and it's strictly the Bible being read. Think about what it would do for your home. I don't think we comprehend the full power of listening to the Word of God, the power of God's Word. Turn the television off if you have to. Get rid of video games at times. Turn the video games off. Turn off your device alerts, the dings and the, the bings and the, the pops and whatever comes along on the phones and, and those devices that have become such a distraction. At times, remove other people. Now, I'm not saying physically get rid of them. But again, we're looking for a place where we can listen to God speak, get disconnected from the world around us. And I love to get out, and as I was talking about camping earlier, I love to get out and I love to, to be in the quiet places. I like the city, but honestly, I hate the city. I'm not a fan of being around a lot of noise. I have to sleep with some noise. My family can attest to that. But I do not like to be around a noisy area. Um, one concern that I have in our moving is that we get somewhat quiet people if we're going to share a house. And it's not playing you know, loud rock music. And um, a home should be a haven in the sense where you can get to away from the noise of the world to listen to, to the Lord. You find in Psalm 46 and verse 10, be still. Know that I am God. Find a place. Be still. Be still to slacken, to cease. Just stop. Listen. You see, if God speaks in a still, small voice, that means we must be still. We'll miss it. Be still. Be still. Consider the model of Christ. Consider the model of Christ. Go with me, if you would, in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 33. Mark chapter 1 and verse 33. Mark 1, 33, it says, And all the city was gathered together at the door. Kind of like what we were just talking about. And all the city was gathered together at the door, Jesus, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. 
Verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, there prayed. The Bible says in verse 33 that the entire city was there. I don't know if they were knocking at the door or they were just waiting until the door opened for Jesus to come out to perform more miracles, to to cast out more devils, to watch more of what he was going to do. But you think about the busyness of Jesus' life. And yet Jesus did not neglect the most important thing was to get into that solitary place, that private place. As the Bible says, a great while before day, In the morning, he went to get alone with the Heavenly Father. And so ought we, as we think about the model of Christ, get to that place. In John 18, we would see that Judas Iscariot knew exactly where to go to find Jesus, to bring the soldiers to him, because the Bible said that he had normally resorted there thither, that he was there often. I wonder, moms and dads, would your kids know where to find you in the morning? Would they know that if they found you, that you'd be reading God's Word early in the morning? Would they know if they found you, that you might be on your knees in prayer? Or would it be that you're reading the newspaper, whatever that may be today, watching the news, listening to things that don't help us as we begin our day? Get before the Lord. Get in that place as Jesus did. Jesus knew how busy the day would be. And he got up in the morning to go and to speak to the Father. Next, let God calm your heart. Let God calm your heart. Again, learning to listen to the Spirit of God. Let God calm your heart. And then nextly, talk and listen to the Lord. Talk and listen to the Lord. I'm not trying to say to you that walking with God and getting in God's presence is some mystical thing where we just make up something in our mind. Unfortunately, the New Age mentality has made people, quote-unquote, spiritual, in the sense of doing all of these things, meditation, yoga, and different things of that nature. By the way, getting into those types of things, be aware of what they're actually connected with. There's a lot of danger in the world's mentality of spirituality. New Age movement is very powerful. Getting you to a place where you're just lost in some kind of a world. That's not what talking to God and listening to God is. Some of us maybe have never experienced the Spirit of God speaking to our spirit and bearing witness with our spirit. Because we've never learned how God speaks. We never learn about the nature of God. We don't even really know anything about God. Some of you young people, I challenge you and encourage you, have a devotional time. You say, I don't really get a lot. Get before the Lord and let Him talk to you. You'll learn how He speaks. Get before Him. Talk and listen to the Lord. As we close here, point number four, be alert to the workings of God. Be alert to the workings of God. God can work and speak in every circumstance if we'll pay attention. Don't miss it. Nextly, don't just ignore a trial or blessings. God may bring a trial along because He's speaking to you. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. God may bring blessings along. Learn to listen. Trials, though, can strengthen us or spoil us or push us away. Blessings can encourage us or spoil us, turning our heart away. Think about it. This world is blessed, essentially, in what we have. Our nation here, we have much wealth. The housing market is ridiculous here, and people have money to be able to purchase houses And these are a lot of lost people, a lot of the heathen world that has essentially the blessings of God. You say, uh, as as the psalmist said, 
uh, Asaph said that, you know, the world prospers and look at my life. Don't think that the blessings of God are essentially, um, or don't think that material goods are the blessings of God. The lack of material goods can also be the blessings of God. Don't miss the trials. The trials aren't necessarily a judgment of God. It might be, but the trials may be essentially to strengthen your faith, to build your faith. And so don't miss how God speaks in these moments. God led the children of Israel in the day and night by the cloud and by the fire. Don't miss it. As Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians, I believe, he said it was was God in that cloud. And it was God in that fire. It wasn't just some random cloud in the sky and some, some fire in the sky. Look, it was the Lord. The Lord was leading them. Well, we've got to pay attention. As that cloud moved, the people moved. As that fire moved, the people moved. And as God leads you, learn to watch, learn to listen, learn to pay attention. Have you ever made the statement, I never hear God speak to me? I encourage you to ask God why. God may reveal to you one of these areas that you have spoken about is lacking in our life. I wonder, do you have unconfessed sin? needs to be dealt with. What do you know about the nature of God? What do you know about the character of God? How does it apply to you today? Do you pay attention to the workings of God in your life? Draw closer to God. Teens, may I challenge you, rather than following the trend of the world and pursuing your career, listen to the Spirit of God. God may have something far different for you than you can ever even think of right now. Learn to listen. Learn to pay attention. Maybe you're here today, you're either in this room or you're watching online, and you you can't hear God's voice because you're not even His child. You do not have that spirit within you that's been born again. You cannot hear Him because your spirit is still dead. The first thing God would say to you is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. The Savior is calling. I ask you, will you listen? Your Christian, make the application that God would have you to make today. Respond to God's Spirit's calling in your life. You know, in this room here, we don't have much of a what we might call an altar. It's something that, you know, I know pastor would love to, to have, and it's, we, we do encourage you to come forward here. There's something about getting up and making a decision, and taking a step. And honestly, even, even here, making one step, that's just the beginning. The next step is to go out the door and go home and to... Continue to uh, appropriate to apply what, what the Lord did in your heart. And so as we learn to listen to God, learn in these types of situations where we're under the preaching of God's word to respond as the Spirit of God speaks. God says, I want you to go and I want you to make a decision. I want you to surrender your life to me. Do it. You need to be saved. God says you need to move right now. You need to go to the front. You need to talk to Pastor Turner, you need to talk to Pastor Nathan, you need to talk to, to some of these others that will be able to help you and take you through God's Word to show you how you could be, be saved. Respond to it. And don't think, you know, as you get older that I already know the will of God for my life and, and, and I'm settled. It's a continual listening. See, walking with the, the Lord is a continual process. It's a continual pursuit. Learning to listen to the Spirit of God. Do you know the Spirit's voice today? Or are you as Samuel at the beginning that did not yet know the Lord? Does God speak to you? We respond as the Lord leads.